Yeah, sure. What was that? Uh, uh, inconceivable. <laughs> That's inconceivable. what I hear. Inconceivable. Inconceivable. You keep using that word. I love it. I do not think it means what you think it means. Princess Bride is a fantastic anime. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Best anime. And right up there with Corey in the house. Yeah, exactly. Welcome to Anime Club After Dark, the podcast that delves into all things anime, manga, and otaku culture related. I'm your host, Alex, but you can call me Senpai. And joining me tonight, we have our poster extraordinaire, Natai. I, too, don't tend to talk to my exes, you know. Um... <laughs> Yay, that's relatable something... monogatari, am I right? <laughs> yeah, that's something, you and, that's something you and Shinobu have in common, then. <laughs> uh, she's, just, she's, she's my 500 years old uh, soulmate. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the two of us have gotten together tonight because it is, of course, time again to delve into the Monogatari series. This time, we are doing part two of our Awari Monogatari part one. Spoiler cast. I know that's probably very... This confusing. is not convoluted at all. Nah. Uh, it's not It's not convoluted. Essentially, we are doing the Shinobu male arc, which is episodes 8 through 13 of Awari Monogatari part one. Um, it's a beefy have- arc. It is six episodes, and we have ten pages worth of notes, so this is going to be great. <laughs> this is par for the course, dude. Like, we've been, been, we've been talking about this every single time. I just, there's so much shit to talk about with these Monogatari arcs, especially when they're so beefy. Literally, yeah. last episode, we spent 45 minutes on two episodes. Yeah, I, for sure. But, uh, let's get right into it. So... We have the same ED, uh, the same ED throughout all of War Monogatari. With different uh, visuals, though. One. Different visuals, but same song. Um, Sayonara no uh, Yukue by Alisa uh, Takigawa. Nailed it. Um, I will say I prefer the visuals for this arc as opposed to what we got Really? Before. I do. I, I mean, don't know. There's something about them I just I like a little bit more. I won't, I won't say either one is bad, but... Yeah, for oh, no, sure. I I tend to like the previous iteration of this ED more. I just like mm. with all like the imagery of uh, Ogi and so that she and Koyomi like the, the interaction between the three. Even Hanikawa shows up for a second. It's real cute. Uh, but yeah, I like how in this ED it's Shinobu by herself with a glass of wine. Uh, I do like the, that imagery though. I think it's which like, seems like something she would do. Let's be definitely honest. and like her sort of loneliness. I think it's something that is very like. Very fitting it's to very depict fitting. for this arc. Yeah, it's very fitting for this arc because you and I were talking about it uh, before we started recording here. This arc is ostensibly about how uh, Shinobu can't handle uh, her own emotions. How, like, any kind of trauma that she comes up against, she immediately shuts down. She definitely does not know how to confront her own emotions, her own, like, mixed mm-hmm. feelings about uh, whatever is going to happen in this arc. And I think that's great. I, I love how. We'll get to it, but I love how this arc sort of confronts Shinobu about that and puts her in yeah. a very 
difficult position we haven't seen her before. We have seen her in like, I mean, and we will see her in Kizu in like very, very tough situations, but not as emotionally difficult as we will see her. Yeah, in this I mean, the, the difference, the difference with Kizu, which is actually what we will be covering after uh, this, uh, stay tuned for that. Um, is more of a physical trauma as opposed to a psychological or mental trauma. Although you could say that, like, the the fallout of Kizu is what we saw in Bucket. She was kind of like, uh, she was just she was just um, uh, very distant and very like mm-hmm. trying to cope with her new situations. So like, but but this is like so much more textured and mature of a confrontation. Yeah. That we're and certainly more thoroughly to. explored yeah. because, like, with with what we saw in Bake with her like withdrawing and stuff was more surface level. Whereas the because like you can you can kind of understand it like you're someone who's really powerful and you've suddenly lost all of your power. Yeah, I'd be a little withdrawn too because I'd be a little upset about that. Yeah. Anyway, back to this actual arc. Um, we did get a new OP. Um, it is Mind Shots by Meg Rock, and um, it kind of goes back to th- that... Shinobu um, Time OP. Yeah, yeah, the Shinobu Time where it's there's no, like... There are technically lyrics because there's, like... Um, it's a, like a like German a choir, right? Yeah, it's like a, like a choir or choral uh, aspect to it. Choral. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I can speak. I know words. <laughs> um but there's no actual like lyrics and it's certainly not sung by any member of of the cast like usual but i really like it i like the uh the the again back to the shinobu time like visuals of it i don't know i just i really like that visual style i like the song it's very um it's very melodic it's very dramatic uh, it's yes. very like i mean uh, it, I remember once ages ago digging into the lyrics. I should have probably done that before we start recording. But like, and I, but it, it's very dramatic, and I love how the, visually, like, it uses like everyone's wearing these like sort of. It seemed like very old, like very old type of like Japanese clothing. Like, uh, Aragi has this like massive white cloak around him, and it looks great. Where he's like on his knees, like whatever, throwing his hands at the sky. It's great, and also. I love that I that that shot of I would what I would assume to be the first slave where he's like in that sort of cage looking like with long hair you know looking like a monster it's fantastic yeah. it's uh yeah. and and I I think it's really cool that Shinobu her OPs are like uh in that style I wonder if it's because like I don't know if her voice actress just doesn't sing uh I would love to hear that though uh, but I do like uh, my, how they say consistently no she she sings I've heard it <laughs> But I do like they, they, they picked like a very specific, very different type of openings for Shinobu that are so different than the other girls because, you know, it makes sense. She's not, she's from a different time, you know, she's from a completely different time. And also, place. like, the fact that both of them, both this um, OP and the one back in Shinobu time had these, um, these choir arrangements with German lyrics in mm. them is also um, very appropriate because, I mean, it hasn't really been expounded on yet. Um, I guess I'm kind of putting the cart before the horse here when I say that, like, that's the part of the world that she was originally supposed to be from. Mm. Which is cool. Uh, like, I, I like that it's... Again, this fucking adaptation is just nailing it. Added more, like, stuff on top of it to make the whole thing feel, like, more cohesive yeah. and just, like, it's it's awesome, you know? Yeah. So since we have so much to get into with these ten fucking pages, yeah, let's just let's get right get into, into it. it. Episode eight. Um, it is story time with Koyomi and Ogi. 
Um, so this ta- th- this this opening like scene uh, takes place on March thirteenth, right? Uh, just before Koyomi is going to go to his like college entrance exams, um, and like it- it's just framed as a storytelling device where he is relaying the, uh, the he's story recounting the events happened. of like something that happened in the past to Obi. yeah, and as we will find out, what he is relating is the events from his perspective that take place during the Subasa Tiger arc of Nekomonogatari White. <laughs> Which is awesome. Uh, yeah, it's like uh, this one of the like the moment you realize this arc happens at the same time as Tsubasa mm-hmm. Tiger. It just like makes it that much more like interesting. And you like we we talked about this right before we started recording. But the cool thing about this arc is sort of like how it puts all the pieces into place and everything's like okay. Now we can connect the dots between almost everything that happened so far. Yeah, almost, almost, almost. Um. Yeah, so um, he's relaying the story to Ogi. It's two months before she transferred there. You know, we have that. Um, it's that right thing after. That happens. It's right after um, um, uh, fucking Shinobu time. So it's right yeah. after Mayoi uh, passes away and right after his uh, link with Shinobu is severed. And this is also. Now, we haven't had the. At the point the story is taking place, we haven't had the. Um, Hitagi end stuff go on yet, but at this time, um, Nadako is possessed by the snake oddity. Um, although Koyomi doesn't know that. Wait a minute, that doesn't doesn't that happen afterwards that. though? I, listen, the fucking timeline for this is really weird. <laughs> Keep going, I'm, I'm fact checking. I listen, I sometimes with the Monogatari series, you get weird timelines and shit, and it gets crossed. I'm pretty sure at the point that that we're at in this story, Koyomi knows about the snake entity. I don't know if he knows that um, uh, Nadako is possessed by it yet. It's anyway. It's it's it's, sort of, it's said it's before sort of, Nadako Medusa. It's still before. Uh, okay, so he knows of it. He just doesn't know it's possessed by or she's possessed by it. No, but I say wait that a because minute. he. Sorry, I say uh, that because la- no, no, hold on. I say that because later on he mentions a snake oddity. No, oh wait, he does mention Jackie Ranawa. That's the, but that's, that that's the uh, fucking snake from Nadako uh, Snake, not Nanako Medusa. Ah, see, see, see this is which this is, is the arc is the from Bake. So like that's where the aha, aha, there we go. Okay, so that's how he knows about the snake entity. Yeah, gotcha. This right, fucking see? serious, dude. I know this is what you got it. This is why it forces you to pay attention, man. This is why it forces <laughs> you to pay attention. Anyway. Um, so at this time, um, Koyomi is like temporarily residing in that old abandoned cram school that Meme, uh, was, was at, um, and Kamburu just shows up, uh, because Koyomi requested him. Now, if you'll remember part of what happened in, uh, in, in second season, or was it Tsubasa Tiger? I can't remember now. <laughs> I guess Tsubasa Tiger is part of second season, technically. It is part of second season, definitely. Um, even though it was released its own thing, um. You're thinking about uh, uh, fucking Neko Black. Neko Black. Anyway. <laughs> um, see, I've watched this stuff lots of times, and even I get confused about the timeline. We're off to a great start. Uh, we're off to a great start with this. Um, 
I even I forgot where I was going with basically it. Oh, Kamru uh, shows so, up. So at no, request uh, so Gaian Gaian back in second season had asked to to have Kamru come and like, hey, I need to see her. I need to talk to her. So that's what this is like referencing, right? That uh, Koyomi asked Kamru to show up. So Kamru shows up and immediately sexually harasses Koyomi as is standard at this point. Now listen, uh, <laughs> I love Nisiyuisen. I think he's fantastic. I love his writing. Goddamn, this opening scene meanders so fucking much. It, it does. <laughs> it's like, so um, she basically, like, knees him in the face. And that leads to, like, one thing, which is, like, that's kind of cool. It leads to a scene that because his link with Shinobu is severed, he doesn't heal instantly. But then it goes into that fucking tangent about her her fucking puns, where she has boys on, on her knees or something. It's like, god fucking damn it. <laughs> I like that 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 thing where she says, "I prefer if you call them patellas instead of kneecaps because it's one letter away from paella." <sighs> and when I think about hot spicy Spanish boys, <laughs> it's like it's like that Monty Python bit. It's like get on with it. <laughs> Yeah, kind of. It does meander a little bit, and I feel like they added a lot of this to just, like, pad out the runtime because they realized, oh, shit, these chapters we need to adapt aren't long enough for a full episode. I don't know. I, I can definitely see it just being as Nisio you see, just, like, <laughs> fucking hard. It's like, oh, I, I like this pun. I need to work it into the story somehow. But it's like, it, it it's like, oh, come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Get on with it. <laughs> um... But anyway, um, so Koyomi uh, reveals that he's been asked to enlist Kamru in her quest, but the details of what is actually going to be requested are, are not known to him at all. Um, but because of Kamru's, like, closeness to Koyomi, she feels compelled to just assist him regardless of whatever the details of this request are. Um, Koyomi should have known that before he agreed to this because he was halfway, like, thinking, oh, she'll never agree to a request where she doesn't know the details. You should have known better, Koyomi. You really should have. Yeah. Uh, but in, anyway, as they're leaving to actually go to the rendezvous point for this little meetup between, well, we know that it's Kambru and Gaian, but Kambru doesn't know that. Um, a big fucking suit of armor just randomly attacks him out of nowhere. Just a fucking so, samurai, um, shadow samurai attacking I, him. I... I Immediately, you're like, okay, what the fuck? <laughs> um, but the suit actually is seemingly empty because Kamru, like, attacks it and it just immediately falls apart and there's no body in it. Yeah. Um, and so they're they're just staring at it like, well, that's kind of fucking weird. Um, whatever. Uh, I wonder what would happen if we tried to put it together. And they're like, okay, well, let's try that. Then uh, just out of nowhere, the armor just like, no, fuck this. I'm going to fucking fix myself. <laughs> reassembles itself and just attacks him again. So Kambru, being the Chad that she is, uh, just decides, well, I'll just take care of this shit and starts attacking it. But every time she attacks it, she gets weaker and weaker, and then she eventually just collapses. Energy drain! Energy drain, yeah. So Koyomi right, recognizes this because, like, as someone who's at least partially vampire himself... Um, and hanging around with someone who is a vampire, he recognizes that vampiric energy drain. It's the exact same power. Also very similar um, to uh, Black Hanakawa. Yes, that too. Um, so the suit of armor just randomly starts attacking Koyomi too. Has him by the neck. Um, but as this is happening, right? It, as this is happening, 
uh, all of a sudden, just like these reddish pink flames, which if you've been paying attention are flames you should have seen before. Yeah, those are <laughs> Kako's flames. And I love the setup to this, where before the samurai shows up, like, so in Kanbaru's fucking bullshit monologue, whatever, she's like, because at first she's like, oh, maybe you're inviting me to this rundown house, high school at, my, at night because you want to have sex with me or something. It's like, I didn't even noticed in one of the classes, someone like pulled the tables together to form a bed. It's like, that's the same bed Hanakawa used in Tsubasa Tiger. So I love how they sort of like built to that. And then you have the payoff, which is the actual flames of Kako actually showing up and actually saving the two of them from Samurai. Again, uh, both Kambru and Koyomi don't know that though. We know it as an audience yeah. because we've seen it already. <laughs> Yeah, and that's uh, it, it's kind of cool because then, and at the end of the arc, we'll get another like sort of. Uh, I, I sort of got that feeling at the end of the arc. It's like it's almost like Ogi, in a sense, became a vessel for the viewers, sort of a mm-hmm. representation of the viewers in like the story because Aragi's telling the story to Ogi, and Ogi knows the story of Hanakawa as well, and so like just like the viewers were piecing it together, it's like oh, you know, mm. it's great. Uh, and, and and while this is going on, the armor just starts speaking, but it's speaking with Koyomi's voice that's been stolen. Now, it's not, like, stolen from him. It, it's, like, I guess borrowed, because Koyomi can still speak. It's not like he has his voice actually taken away from him. Can you imagine? Uh, yeah, I know. Koyomi not being able to speak, he'd probably fucking kill himself. Um... <laughs> uh, but the armor, like, speaks using Koyomi's voice, saying that uh, it's looking for its master. Um, which, you know, that's 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 weird. Uh, immediately, you're thinking, well, maybe, obviously, a suit of armor is meant to be worn by a person. So maybe the suit's uh, master is the person who used to wear it. Um, but anyway, uh, it becomes obvious that the suit of armor is actually talking about Kishot and the demon sword, um, Kokorowatri. Even mentions Kishot. Yeah, he mentions Kiss Shot by name. Which um, uh, Aragi never uses her name, like, her, like, that name. He always called her Shinobu, so it's interesting. Yeah, um, which is a nice pun. <laughs> Hot under blade. Hot under blade, uh, But yeah, he says without the sword, he feels incomplete, which is also something that Kamburu alluded to, that the sword of armor was missing something. Or the, the suit, not the sword. The suit of armor was missing something. Um... But then the armor just, like, fucking leaves as the cram school gets engulfed with flames. Um, and so, like, now Koyomi and, and Kamburu are like, oh, shit, we got to get out of here. We're gonna no, no, get first Kamburu is like, or, or, if we're going to die, please have sex with me. Take my virginity. Yeah. It's like, god damn it, this fucking Again, stupid sexual harassment. bitch. <laughs> I'm just reminded of, I can't remember what anime it's from, but I'm just reminded of that scene where someone just slams the desk and goes, sexual harassment! <laughs> That's real? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to look it up later. I can't remember what anime that's from, but I, I do remember it happening. But anyway, they're like thinking about how do we get out of here? How do we get out of here? And of course, Koyomi's brilliant plan is the fucking window. Let's jump through it and fall to our deaths. But of course, we get Ononoki that saves them. It's like, yeah. Yeah, like Ononoki comes in as the deus ex machina here, which that's that's something I've heard people say about Ononoki, that she's literally a deus ex machina. She shows up only when she's needed, which is kind of true. It's... It's funny because last time we saw her in Tsuki Monogatari, which obviously happens chronologically after this arc, but she literally is put in the Aragi's house to protect, like, Aragi. So, mm-hmm. like, it's sort of in 
in the later half of, of the series, it's sort of like her in like what she's mostly instructed to do. So like I get it. I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's that big of an issue. I I yeah I I understand the criticism though. I really yeah. do. Um, but yeah, it's yay, peace, peace. Oh, uh, Ononoki's here, and that's that's kind of how the episode ends. Like it's it's sort of like a, oh hey, thanks for saving my life. Now what? <laughs> yeah. Kind of ending. Um, and that leads directly into to episode nine. So did you like the Ononoki feat? I listen. <laughs> I'm I'm not saying this is my favorite appearance of Ononoki because I got to see her feet. Mm. But I'm not not saying that either. <laughs> Fucking you. The moment I saw it, I was like, Alex is like, we're losing his shit somewhere right now. I have I have watched that that particular scene on repeat a couple of times, yes. <sighs> Moving along. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. Anoroki is like, oh, no, I, I wasn't here to save you. It's just, it's coincidence. It's, it's coincidence. Because I only show up because of coincidence. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> what was that? Uh, uh, inconceivable. <laughs> That's what I hear. Inconceivable. Inconceivable. You keep using that word. I love it. I do not think it means what you think it means. Princess Bride is a fantastic anime. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's anyway. the anime. And right up there with Corey in the house. Yeah, exactly. Um, so basically, so they meet up with Ononoki after she saves them, and they tell her about what's up. And Ononoki is like... Hey, you remember when you told Gaian that after she helped with the whole uh, Hachikuji incident, uh, you're gonna gonna bring her Kanbro so they can meet? And he's like, also, I'd like to point out that when Koyomi is relating this story to Ononoki, he very conveniently leaves out all that stuff about Kishot. Yeah, that definitely he saves from like himself. He doesn't because he knows that when it, whatever he would relate to Ononoki, she would probably tell Gaian about it, and I think it's yeah. very. I like how, as much as Koyomi is dense, he is not that stupid. You know, he knows when to like keep keep shit to himself, right? Yeah, but he also should know that Gaian knows all. <laughs> I know, but um, yeah, he's she's gonna find out. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, I, I, it's, it's. I totally get why he doesn't trust her, uh, even though she's oh, supposed to. Oh knows yeah, everything. at this point in the story, he's only met her like once. I think. Kinda, and then talk to her on the phone once. Like that's it. Pretty much. Um, uh, but yeah. So basically, after that, they uh, they leave. He takes Kanbro, who's unconscious. He's heading towards. Oh, so you well before before you before we go on, oh. I do want to point out. I mean, we were making fun of the whole foot thing earlier. There is a reason. That There's an actual reason. And, that's right. There. Yeah, there is a reason that there is payoff for that. It's not just done because it's it's you know Nisiris. I mean, it is Nisiris and weirdness, but there is a payoff for it. Tarantino would approve. Tar- listen, Tarantino should do a live action version of the Monogatari series. Just saying. <laughs> Japanese motherfucker, do you speak? <laughs> do you speak it? Uh, yeah, and, and Ononoki's like, you're not gonna break your promise, are you? That'd be a really bad idea to break your promise to Gaia, and she'll fucking murder your ass. And then basically Aragi's like, yeah, all right. And he's taking Kanbro with him uh, on his way to scoops the park. Up, yeah, scoops up an unconscious Kanbro and puts her on his back. And now on the way to like the park, basically they have a quick like fuckery about it's like, oh, are we lost? Are we lost? Are we actually lost? Um, I. Uh, 
it's set up like the whole lost cow thing again. It really is. Yeah, and then it's like, it's on the one hand, I get it. They kind of want to play on your expectations of that, even though uh, Hachikuji is gone. Um, but then it's like, Humber is like, oh, if I'll just, if you just don't use the actual like road as it's intended, you can sort of circumvent it, right? And it's like, yeah. Uh, okay, sure. I don't know. I, I, I remember the first time I watched it, I was kind of iffy about that section of the episode, and now I'm still kind of whatever about it. It just feels a bit clunky, you know? It, it does, Yeah, it does feel very clunky. It's almost like it's tacked on. Like, did we really need this? But then when you see what happens a little bit later, like, it kind of makes a little more sense, but still, it's like... It's not the most elegant this? solution to, what they're, to, to get to the point they want to get. In the arc, you know? No, no, it's not. But uh, yeah, you, you got that thing where Koyomi calls Gaian and um, and it's like Gaian's like, nah, I don't fucking see a problem. Bye, motherfucker. It's like, you can handle this. You'll be fine. You got this. You got you this. You got this. So, so Kamru, now that she's fucking awake again, and of course sexually harasses Koyomi the second she regains consciousness. Um... Uh, <laughs> Uh, she just climbs up a telephone pole and is like, yeah, I see it. It's over there. That's Hitagi's old place. And I know that park is near there. Um, and they're like, all right, well, after three hours, I don't know how it took you three fucking hours to get somewhere you could see with your own fucking eyes, but sure. Uh, they finally get there. It of course, it's the Gaia same park from, from, uh, from Mayoi Snail. Yeah, from the first place, the the place that um, uh, Koyomi and Hitagi meet for their their like first date. I mean, it uh, wasn't a date. It was the they. Uh, it was an interrogation. <laughs> you could say, um, but yeah, and there they fucking see Shinobu uh, with scratches on her, like she was in a fight apparently or something. And I yeah. love the fucking reaction from Kanber, which is like, you have that perfect gif of her like 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 uh, sort of like crouching down and sort of jumping at the same time it's great just like salivating (laughs) a lolly (laughs) yes let me grope (laughs) um yeah and you you see that multiple times in just the background this her very excited expression on her face yeah i love how they play with that like every shot like every every other shot you see come right a different position just like throbbing at the mouth at seeing Shinobu, and this is the first yeah. time they actually meet each other in the series. Which is yeah, th- yeah, this is the very first time that those yeah. two characters have specifically met each other. Now, I'm pretty sure that uh, Koyomi has talked to Kamru about Shinobu before, but this is the first time they've actually met. Um, but Shinobu explains to to Koyomi and Kamru that uh, quote a cat and a doll who stomped on Koyomi's face with a bare foot unquote, uh, had helped her fight a, a monkey. And this seems very familiar. <laughs> yeah. This seems very familiar to anyone who's been paying attention up to this point. Um, and also that the doll, which the doll is obviously a reference to Ononoki. Which Shinobu um, doesn't like that much. Yeah, Shinobu does not like Ononoki at all, really. <laughs> um, and also, and, I, and it makes sense because vampires prey on the living. What is Ononoki? A corpse. Also, I love, again, the callback to Tsubasa Tiger. It's like, oh, that's why Shinobu was on her own, right? Yes. She was, like, the link yes. was severed in, in, uh, in um, Shinobu time, and now it's like, 
and she was on her own and like she met up with Anikawa and then she got it to the park and that's where she meets Aragunov finally. Yeah. Um and also that the that Anunoki had had let Shinobu know about their current problem. Um but then Shinobu's like, "Hey, brace yourself, motherfucker. The enemy's returned." <laughs> that's that's how that episode ends. And then we get a fucking weird fucking apparition thing, which basically yeah, that, it's that, like Yeah, episode 10, episode yeah. 10 starts with like it's basically Koyomi and Kamru turning to face this apparition that's returned to the park where where Shinobu has been, and Shinobu's already fought this thing one time. Um, that's how she got the scratches. But the the apparition is essentially an amalgamation of all of the apparitions that Koyomi has faced up until this point. You've got the monkey, you've got the snake, you've got the tiger, you've got the uh, the crab, the crab. Um, no wait it's only the crab the monkey and the snake as far as i could tell not perhaps anyway it's an amalgamation (laughs) that's the whole point um that fight scene is fine i love how they they present again shinobu pulling out the sword basically just like fucking out of her tiny body comes this fucking humongous sword it's great it's yeah, comically long. Like you know how like like Final Fantasy has the well, and and Berserk as well has like the comically large sword, but they're wide. They're wide blades. Yeah, this is a comically long blade. <laughs> this is like the Sephiroth type of blade, which just super long. Yeah, um, but I also like how in the beginning of the fight, it's like okay, Koyomi and Kabur like they're they're stealing themselves to fight, like they're getting they're bracing themselves in that fighting stance, and all of a sudden Shinobu's like, nah, fuck that, here's a sword. <laughs> and in the fight, <laughs> uh, so basically, yeah, Shinobu pulls uh, the Kokoro Watari sword from herself, throws it to Koyomi, and he then goes to attack and actually beat the apparition. Um, and then Very, we, se- seemingly pretty easily too. Yeah, I mean, as we will see in Kizu, uh, that sword is like basically the whole point of it is to slay apparitions. Um, yeah. And then at the end of the fight, the the snakes Jagiranawa, the same snake from ne- Nariko Snake, actually shows up, tries to attack the two, and Shinobu manages to like crush it and just f- eat the remain the remaining like fucking flesh or whatever the apparition. Mm-hmm. Now. Uh, 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 um, shit, my train of thought got cut. Never mind. <laughs> well, did it involve the snake? Because I was going to say, there's a, a seemingly throwaway line that the snake entity has when he's talking to Nautico, where uh, he mentions, like, his children getting fucked up. And I'm wondering now if this is actually supposed to be a reference to this. Maybe. Actually, it might. I mean, back then it was a reference to, like, Nanako fucking killing all the snakes, but maybe it also, like, some of the snakes were actually jaggy around now all this time, so, like, I don't know. Could be. Maybe. I, I, I know that, like, at the time I thought, well, oh, that's because of all the snakes that, that Nanako killed, but I'm wondering if it's a reference also to this incident. That's an interesting question. But anyway, in the fight, uh, that's what I was going to say. So Kamburu got, like, her sweatshirt got uh, fucking scratched all over. Of course. And then Kanaburu and Aragi swap their sweatshirts, and that's how we get fucking Aragi in that torn-ass sweatshirt we saw in Tsubasa Tiger, eh? Hey, you know? Yeah. Hey, like, this is all coming together. It's all coming together. <laughs> um, But, uh, so, they still have a problem. Like, 
obviously guy and who is who they were originally going to meet obviously isn't here in this park and shinobu's like hey you should try sitting under the swing set like i was and he's like this is ridiculous but sure why not um and as he's sitting there under the swing set of course he's trying to look up shinobu's skirt every single time that she goes by because you know i would too i i, uh, I thought they were gonna pull another like i don't know if you remember back in um uh tsubasa cat you have that one like uh that one animation cut of like shinobu doing the fucking spinning and jumping and shit before she attacks uh, black kanakawa yeah and you have that moment where she's like flipping around and like her skirt is blowing and and those fuckers you can see there something for a split frame I don't oh, know if you ever, okay. like, noticed that, but you can't see it. I was like, wait, are they oh, going to pull another trust one? trust me. I went frame by frame on that shit. God I damn noticed. it. I was, like, waiting I, for another moment like that. It's like, oh, they didn't go there. Okay. Restraint, uh, chef. Damn. No. As, as she's just swinging back and forth, Koyomi notices that there's a picture of Gaian under the swing telling him to meet uh, her at the uh, the snake shrine the one that they've been to that. multiple times at this point also I, I i have this sneaking suspicion based on how like that picture looks and the way the writing is on it this is meant to be a reference to to evangelion oh you know, you're you know right how, the misato picture how shinji gets the misato because it like the pose is very similar the writing is very oh, similar oh i didn't think about that there are so many good references in this arc like uh, like <laughs> We'll we'll get to it, but well, I mean, there's that great um, uh, Shawshank Redemption. The Shawshank Redemption is my favorite. I love that reference uh, <laughs> when he's like realizes realizes I don't have any link to to Shinobu. I can do stuff on my own. It's like freedom in the rain. <laughs> yeah, there's also the JoJo reference in episode one with uh, he does the um, the Rohan pose. It's so good. I love it. Um. Yeah, I just I I recognize that the first time I watched, I was like, that seems really familiar, and then I thought, hmm, that's gotta be an Evangelion reference. Uh, I I never picked up on that. That's so fucking cool. Anyway, all three of them, um, Koyomi, Kamru, and Shinobu, go to the shrine, and on the way, Koyomi is explaining to um, Shinobu his encounter with the armor, and Shinobu, this is this is the part where Shinobu starts acting like an absolute petulant child uh, for the rest of this, almost the entire rest of this arc. Um, she actually she starts acting like the age that she looks. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that's but great. She, like, right right offhand, without any kind of further explanation, it's like that cannot have anything to do with me. I have no. No link to anything like this. I anymore. did not it, have sexual relations with that woman. I did woman. not have sexual relations <laughs> with that man that I bit. Miss Lewinsky. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Um, I, I, I One of my actually favorite things about that scene is when the three of them are walking through this like very spherical structure. Like Shaft has always been doing... Like they've been doing such a great job with the background design for almost the entirety of the series, right? I love how they play with the space the characters, like, inhabit. And this is another, like, example of that. Again, it's a very kind of weird structure they walk through on their way to the shrine, but I just, it it looks so striking and kind of helps set the tone of that scene to some extent. It's just, yeah, just looks fantastic. You know, you you described it as spherical. It's almost like 
Shinobu's emotions are running around in circles. Yep, basically, yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's so good. And then you have a, that cutaway to the... Uh, to I will never get that name right, of the shrine. It's like... And I always know when they do it, where it, it looks like a snake from the sky, right? Yeah, the so yeah, the, the, I, the rough English translation for the name of that shrine is the Polar Snake Shrine. Sophie, if Shira, that's easier for Shira you to Hebe say. Shrine, I, I will never manage to pronounce it right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that's the rough English translation that they, they use in the, the Blu-rays is Polar Snake Shrine. Um, that's easier to say than the Japanese. I'm sorry, it just is. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, fucking, fucking discount reach... weeb right here using English. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, Preposterous. It's not like it's my native language or anything. Uh, but they do eventually reach the shrine. They meet Gaian, and uh, like, uh, I don't know if I've said this before, but I, I, I love Gaian as a character. Uh, but I and I, there's a part of me that's like, God, I wish we got more of her. But I feel like if we got more of her. The, the greatness of her character would actually wear off. Yeah, she's definitely one of, like, the biggest examples of the more shrouded mystery she is, the more interesting she is. Because, yeah, from the it's first time... Yeah, it's kind of like we... Kaiki. Like, as much as I love Kaiki, and as much as I want to see more of him, like, I feel like if we got too much more of him, his, like, mystique and, like, grandiosity would just completely go away. But then again, like, I... I... Because from the get-go, when first we first met her uh, in Tsubasa Tiger, she was like, I know everything. And in that arc, that works perfectly because the whole idea of that arc is to deconstruct Hanakawa as a character. So, And what better way to sort of like tear her down is to face her with a character who actually knows everything, you know? And yeah. they sort of just kept building on that. And I like how uh, just shady she gets as the series progresses because... So the three of them get to the shrine, and the first thing that... It's also worth pointing out that mm. th this this arc kind of accentuates it, I think, a little more than the Tsubasa Tiger arc did. Um, she is just as old as Kaiki and Meme, but yet she goes to great lengths to hide her age. Yeah, I mean... Because she looks like she's like in her early 20s, but she's in her mid to late 40s. And she even, she tries, like, I love how that is reflected in her design. Her design is fantastic. Like, she so, she dresses all casually and, like, very, is a very casual person. Um, yeah, and, she dresses very, very youthfully. And then, and she even, when the three of them arrive, she's, she presents herself as Oshino Izuko, which we know is bullshit. She's like, oh, I'm Meme's younger sister. And Aragi knows that's bullshit. And, but, again, it's both, like... She definitely tries to hide her identity from Kanbaru, who's her And from niece. Shinobu. And from Shinobu. I think more, Kanbaru, more importantly, for some reason, she yeah. hides her identity from her niece, which is very interesting. I... Yeah. Something that they've never really delved into is, like, obviously, like, Kanbaru's family... There's interesting family dynamics in Kanbaru's family, and it's it's not really, like, explored very much. Yeah, they... They don't build, they don't go through with that sort of plotline, uh, as far as I could tell, but it's there. And I guess it's yeah. just something for, as Nisio Eason likes to do, he likes to put red herrings, he likes to, like, leave threads open that he can, like, use in the future. Um, Things that make you think, that's a Chekhov's gun, and then, like, five arcs later, oh, shit, it wasn't! <laughs> it wasn't a gun, it was a fucking shotgun, dude. 
<laughs> it wasn't a fucking gun. It was a hand cannon. Yeah, but that's the Nisio Isen way. Uh, but yeah, so she basically introduces herself as Oshino Izuku. Shinobu falls for it. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess. Kamaru then immediately begins to sexually harass Koyomi again. <sighs> um, by calling, by calling, or by introducing herself as Koyomi's sex slave. Eat up, as she says. <laughs> Eat up. <laughs> um, yeah. Then Koyomi explains the entire situation to to Gaian, um, and then Gaian's like, "Oh yeah, that's that that armor. It's it's the the like the reincarnated or not reincarnated, but re." assembled remains of uh Kishot's first minion or, or thrall um and then shinobu immediately begins to act like a petulant child again it's like she's almost like a sooner like that couldn't possibly have anything to do with me yeah she's she's definitely been uh reluctant to share whatever she's thinking about and being very dismissive of this all like theory yeah which says and then gaian gaian goes into an absolute beast of a lore dump um about how Kishot's like first minion revived 400 years after his supposed suicide and i when i say lore dump this is like a fucking mother of all lore dumps right here she goes into like eight like like 400 years of exposition in like 12 minutes basically the long and short of it is when <clears throat> Kishot first uh, slave the the who used to be the apparition uh killer when he like committed suicide and like threw himself to the sun, he didn't succeed, and for four hundred years or so, he has been um, sort of like uh, rebuilding himself. And like he was trying to kill himself, but he just couldn't. So he would remain ashes, who would slowly form, but then would get obliterated again by the sun, and that would be like that would go on and on for like a few hundred years which uh yeah it's essentially like the, the ashes the ashes of him were kind of traveling all over the place and like they'd find somewhere where there wasn't a lot of sun they'd start to rebuild and then the sun would come in and just poof right over again basically you that's know. that's pretty much and and there's also a little bit of exposition as to um like the sort of the relationship between Kishot and this this which again, we got a whole lot of back in Shinobu time. That's why this like again, it's I like where this arc how it ends up as a whole. It's good. I do like it, but it just at some points either it meanders or we just like it feels like we're rehashing stuff because yeah, for the yeah, most part we knew about the story. We just didn't know that it survived. Some of the exposition could have been handled way better than it was. Yeah. I think. Um, um, but then Gan yeah. goes to say, "Well, it's not only that is like Gan goes into it's all connected that type of that meme, you know, where it's like he's pointing at the board, and it's all connected somehow." And she's like, "Yeah, like she she's like say, I, listen, I wanted Ononoki to deal with this, uh, you know, alone. Like she could have done it, but one thing I didn't count on, even though I fucking know everything, is the fact that you are an interfering motherfucker, Koyomi." Koyomi is like the uh, wild card in the story. Yeah, he's such a wild card because she doesn't seem to be able to like gauge how he's going to react to certain things. Because uh, just like I, Shinobu, she also like she she also she realizes that Gan realizes that Aragi is more fueled by emotions and sort of like Shinobu, she doesn't operate in that sort of like mindset. Yeah. 
Um, and then like, like you say, it's all connected. It's like guy, guy and like asked him the big probing question here. Ask him like, why do you think you've been running into so many oddities in this one town? And then he's like, why do you think Kishot decided to visit this town during spring break? You know, why did all this stuff happen? She talks about the tiger, the, 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 the cat, um, and says that Koyomi had to have retreated due to his trauma being burned alive. And then you're thinking, oh shit, that's the Hanakawa during the Tsubasa tiger arc. This is some big brain writing going on over here. And she even, I like how she was like, she goes through, I, I like how, like, sort of how Maragatri sort of built, it's sort of like, has its own, like, sort of mythology by now, where it's like, she, where you have this, that, those, like, very quote unquote iconic symbols of you have the cat and the snail and the crab it's all like very familiar now it's ingrained to like the monogatari series as a whole and they play on that and she's like well why do you think it's a coincidence you came across all of these apparitions and she's like well that whole thing with tsubasa and black and cow for when that first showed up that's sort of its own story that's not really that's disconnected but for the most part there's a reason you came across all these apparitions uh and then she goes on to explain more about that yeah, I mean, yeah, and then there, of course there's more exposition about the 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 first minion, um, but then she's like, okay, he died, right? He and big fucking air quotes died, because um, vampires never really die apparently. Um, but during the 400 years that's you know been intervening, he has like been recovered, immediately destroyed by sunlight, and then this happens over and over and over again, and then. The, these ashes arrived in this town 15 years ago and hmm. that's like really that's where the episode ends and you're left on a big like hmm let me give this a big think moment which guy and then episode 11 happens Starting off right then, Gaian's like, you know, 15 years ago, I was in college, and I had this thought about a resurrection spell on a corpse. That's how Ononoki was created. Although we, we also know that a couple of other people had their hands in, oh, in Poor Tadatsu were never given the credit he deserves. Well, and also uh, Kakanui yeah. also had a little bit of a hand in that as well. Um, but... Then if you're thinking, and Gaian's right along with you as the audience, that you have the phoenix that had inhabited Tsukihi, found uh, found its host around that same time 15 years ago. Ha ha. Ha. Koyo- also, also, this is the exact same time when Hanakawa was taken into custody by her, uh, the, the uh, stepfather's wife yep. and her new husband. Yep. Pretty much, it's, like, oh. a lot of different, like, either apparitions or, like, emotional things that would feel future apparitions sort of, like, came together at that time. And as we said, just, like, how but when Kisha was in full power, apparitions would get, like, drawn to her. It's sort of, like, he was drawn to that place as well. In that yeah. sort of, and like, then of course fashion. he's he's in his mind he's going through all this stuff like over fifteen years like he's got to think of a span of, of of events like obviously you have the thing with with Tsukihi and and the Phoenix you have the the uh, the thing with Hanakawa and the cat so he's like okay what's the timeline here you have Shikigami which is Ononoki you have the Phoenix you have the cat then eleven years ago with the death of Hachikuji you have the snail then you have the monkey granting the wish to Kamburu that was like seven years taking- before yeah. 
Yeah, the crab taking Hitagi's weight. And then two months before all this is happening, you had the snake incident with Nariko. Oh my god, Alex Jones would have a field day. <laughs> They're fucking making the frogs gay, dude. How could they? I know. Where's the frog, the gay frog apparition? Jesus Christ. Hey, I, I love, again, it's so cool how this arc is like linking everything together right before we near the end game of the entire story, right? It's It's so fucking cool. It is, yeah. Um, and then obviously Koyomi, after he's having this, you know, thought process, he's like, oh shit, they're all connected to the ashes, ashes. But then Gaian's like, it's, it's not really the cause, but it's, it's part of it. Um, but it had more to do with Shinobu coming to town. And then of course, Shinobu still being the petulant child she is, not wanting to accept responsibility or or embrace her emotions is like, this bitch don't know what she's talking about. (laughs) It's great. Uh, uh, I love how throughout this, and I love how then when like she mentions Shinobu, she you cut to this one shot of like Shinobu sort of like eating eat her fingernails. She's like she's starting to figure out where this is going. She's starting to like realize, yeah. oh fuck, uh, I might be responsible for a bit of this mess. So yeah, and it, and it turns out that the this place that they're at obviously it would have been very different by then but 400 plus years ago was that first minion's hometown um and that's why he wanted to come back here ah yep it's all connected Ah! it's all this this town is cursed it has ghosts this town is like fucking mega cursed it's like silent Um, hill on steroids but something else that I think is great about this is um, obviously they're at the snake shrine. And this is all linked back to the snake shrine as well. Because, you know, 15 plus years ago, the snake shrine was actually being maintained. Every time we've seen it so far in the Monogatari series, the place has been a fucking wreck. Right? Yep. Even when they time traveled, it was a fucking wreck. The only time we, so far we saw it, that it was like in good shape was when nadako was the goddess and inhabited it so you need yeah, a god to inhabit the, the shrine to be, for it to be in good shape you know yeah she she was the one who actually fixed it too with her like god powers I'll, maybe the snake did it i don't know it's never really expanded on who fixed it but basically um, like the, the the principle they go by is like if a god inhabits the shrine then it will be re- renovated and it will be in like good shape and like people and will it's the only way the shrines have power is if they're inhabited by a god basically yeah um the the phrase that Gaian uses is air spot um but it's it's a place basically where apparitions can be gathered to be basically killed um and we also realize well it's revealed that Gaian's job is is to try and deal with oddities before they're able to like come into being and coalesce whereas Meme's job is to collect the stories which I love how it sheds more light about how the like again we always talked about how the Ghostbusters like they sort of each of them represent a different side of this whole like uh, um, this sort of like job they all do. So as so Kaiki does really believe in oddities and ghosts, but he makes money off of them. And we have uh, Meme, who's more of a is a negotiator, is more of a mediator between apparitions and people and whatnot. It's very neutral about it. And then you have uh, Kakinu is very violent about exterminating them. And then you have Gaim, which we finally. She she talks about how she tries to control it in a manner that she tries to avert disasters before they even happen. Like, super control-heavy, yeah, like, very, like, about, like, order, you know? 
amongst all the yeah, chaos. Yeah, Gai Gaia's job is essentially to deal with things before they become problems, whereas Kaganui's job is to just eliminate the problem yeah. wholesale. And they even mentioned why like they didn't call Kaganui because Gaia didn't want her to go full on just kill everyone. <laughs> Yeah, because like she knew that the second that that Kaganui got involved, it would be like, oh, well, we're just gonna go full nuke on this bitch. Yep. Um, yeah, and that's where we, where we find out that that Gaian's like, well, a shrine without a god doesn't have any of its abilities, and that's why the snake shrine that they're at has fallen into such disrepair. Like the god has left. Um, something else we also find out during this is um. And it, again, this is something that's almost said as like an offhanded remark, but Gaian's like, same thing with like talismans and charms. Like they only have as much power as long as they are like whole. As long as they're not broken, they actually have power. Now this is going to come into play later. Keep this in mind. It's a, it's a special tool for later. <laughs> also, uh, it comes back into the whole, if you remember back in Nadako Medusa, Nadako found the talisman in Koyomi's uh, drawer then and we are sort of going to that direction. It's like, oh, that's why he's going to get that talisman in the first place. Yeah, boy. It's all coming together. Uh, it is all coming together. Um, yeah, and, and also Meme, yeah, we were talking about yeah, the, 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 the talisman that Meme gave him. Um, and then Gaian's like, we, you know, if, if this happens, if he, if he actually is able to resurrect, he's probably going to be mostly unstoppable. Um and Gaian wants to Gaian's biggest like concern seems to be that if he does resurrect, he's going to just start killing people and eating them. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Which I think is a is a given the fact that he is a vampire um and he is an oddity slayer, I think is not necessarily outside the realm of possibility. Also another connection that we kind of uh, missed for a bit we should definitely mention is uh how so we know that the ashes of the first minion came to this town uh and like sort of stayed there and mm -hmm. the one thing that we that we didn't realize until now is like what triggered him to actually fully return is for the first time not too long ago shinobu came to the shrine again for the first time if you remember yeah. back in my Jiangxi, when arag and shinobu were doing some time travel fuckery uh, she came to the shrine, and that's when the first minion sort of like saw her for the first time four hundred years, and that triggered him to do to actually try and come back because he was sort of like hanging on to her image of trying to come back and see her again and meet her again. Mm -hmm. And so that was the show, and, and she realizes that again, it's all her fault that he's coming back now. I like how. Throughout this entire conversation, because this is a very long conversation. In fact, it's more than half of the episode where Gaian is just doing all this lore dump and stuff to, to Koyomi. You have these cuts uh, occasionally to Shinobu, and she just gets more and more worried as this conversation goes on. She becomes very anxious by the end of it, yeah. Yeah. Um, she's almost having a full-on internal panic attack by the time this conversation is over. Um, and then, like, so... Gaian's like, all right, well, uh, bye. Uh, just fucks off. Like, figure um, figure this shit out. And she's like, I'm gonna need my assistant. And the guy, yeah, Koyomi's and like, who? just fucks off, and it's like, okay. Um, so Koyomi immediately turns to Shinobu and is like, what should we do? And Shinobu's like, kaka, nothing. <laughs> Speaking of laughs, like, I love the I love uh, the first minion's laugh. And when, oh. when Shinobu is like, previously when she's like asking him, wait, he laughed? He's like, yeah, it's like, 
how did he laugh? And he goes on ha. to laugh in his like ha, very ha. awkward moment. Ha 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 So fucking dumb. <laughs> I feel like so one thing I've always loved about actors is like I think it's a mark of a really good actor when you can act like you're acting bad. Yeah. Definitely. And I feel like this is a really good example of Hiroshi Kamiya, who is the voice actor of Kuyomi, doing just that. So fucking good. I love him. Uh, but yeah, uh, then they regroup, and it's morning, and, and Aragi realized that they need stuff. They need to eat. They need to get some shit. Apparently, Kanbaru needs to get a bra because she's going without a bra right now. So, all right. And she asks him... Also, can I, ju- can I just say, uh, having having... That that's definitely uh, you can tell that that Demonicatri series is written by a man. Oh, definitely, definitely. Because <laughs> because most women would be very thrilled to go that long without a bra. In my experience, so fucking stupid. Uh, and then Cumber is like, I need a bra, and also I need this one book that is coming out today. And it's like, oh, okay, what is this book? And she's like, well, don't give me don't give me shit, but it's a light novel. It's like it's fine. I read this stuff as well, and apparently it's just BL. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> so he goes to buy donuts and BL and bra and a bra. So that's on Koyomi's yeah. agenda, apparently. Um, and, yeah, and then we get to the the bookstore, and the fucking BL has Kaiki and episode on the cover. <laughs> so fucking good. I didn't pick up on it the first time I watched it, but yeah, it's just Kaiki and and then and then Koyomi is like, hmm, I need to buy some other stuff. It's like I've been accusing of I've been accused of being a lolicon for so long. So he goes to buy like mature women's porn and it looks like uh um fucking Gaian. Like it looks just like Gaian's like alright. Which is ironic because Gaian does not look like a MILF. She does not look like a MILF, yeah. Uh, Although yeah. In, in, as- in universe I guess she's sort of a MILF. I I guess she certainly doesn't look the part. No, definitely not. Uh, like I said, she goes to great lengths to kind of hide her true age. She goes to great lengths to hide a lot of stuff about herself. Yeah. Um, and then... Which is, it's funny to me. Um, so basically... It's almost like she's very, very, um, I don't know, super self-conscious about very um, uh, shallow stuff. It's like she... Yeah, again, because we know so little about her, it's almost like she, she puts more... Uh, like she puts more effort to like I would I would say like amplify those shallow stuff about her. so like they would so you would pay more attention to that than to like what's the actual fuck is going on between like inside her brain you know I don't know mm-hmm. um, she's yeah, a very strange so character as, as Koyomi is like trying to leave the bookstore he bumps into someone the only other person in the goddamn bookstore apparently um and he's like, hello, second one. <laughs> and asks if he gave his message to Kiss Shot. And that is how the episode ends. It's a great dun, dun, way to uh, end the episode. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great cliffhanger for the episode, I think. Yeah, definitely. And now we get to the best part of the arc. <laughs> yeah, th- now we get to the, the absolute meat of the arc that takes place in the last two episodes. Um, so, obviously, the, the person that he, he bumps into is the, the, the Apparition Slayer, the very first uh, minion. And he just tells Koyomi, be not afraid, just like a fucking angel from the Bible. Because <laughs> uh, uh, 
he can't ignore the signatures by those in the trade. And that's when we realized that's why Ononoki put the footprint on his face. It's like a mark saying, don't touch him, he's mine. Yeah, it's a, it's great. I love it. <laughs> it's a signal to other, what? I guess, apparition slayers or people in the like oddity killing business. What did you think of the first Minion's design? I think it's obviously meant to uh, appeal to a certain demographic. I found it interesting how it's like the first androgynous character we have in Monogatari. Yeah, right. Oh, I, I would. So, so fun, fun fact about um, this character: um, he is the only male character to appear on a light novel cover. No shit, really. Yeah, besides, well, besides Koyomi. Because Koyomi is on the cover in Koyomi Monogatari. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, um, wait, in the Japanese yeah, the light novels or character. in the English uh, release? Both so far. Man, I, I didn't know that. That's really cool. Yeah. It's always an event where you get another male character in Monogatari. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a huge event when you get a male char- a new male character in the Monogatari series because there's so few and far between. Welcome to the Araragi uh, show. Welcome to the Koyomi Aradagi show. Um, so basically... And then he's like... They had this conversation, and it, it's almost framed as if it's like just two bros talking to each other. Um, but he's he wants uh, Koyomi to, to break up with, with Kishot. Um, then that's not fucking going to happen. <laughs> we know this is the audience. Mm-hmm. We know. Uh, um, and he claims that like he's sorry for everything that he said to her, and he wants to to reconcile. That's something else that we've gotten uh, throughout the course of all the exposition about this. Is one of the things that happened back then is they had this massive like him and, and Kishot had this massive argument hundreds of years ago, and that's like it, it kind of started a chain of events that led to him wanting to to kill himself. Basically, he couldn't bear the fact that he was he became a vampire, so he was the apparition slayer for the longest time, and now he was like sort of he was an apparition himself. He just couldn't like handle it, so he was so he tried to commit suicide and he threw himself away. Yeah. And Aragi, in in his own head, is like, I don't believe that shit. Fuck off. And Aragi is already like on high alert. It's like it's like maybe he's trying to get revenge. Maybe he's trying to do something like fucked up. He's like he doesn't buy anything he says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the 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 first minion there rebuffs uh, everything he's thinking and saying and said like you know I appreciate that she brought you back from you know you, you know, near death, um, but she only needs one of us. There can be only one. It's like Highlander. It's like, and I like, I like how that sort of line he says, where it's like, it's like, the first minion is irreplaceable, unlike Aragi, you know. Yeah. So it's like, it's there's like, no point in fighting because, like, I'm irreplaceable. I'm the only like right slave for her. It's like, it's got plenty yeah. points to go on, you know. I'm fucking irreplaceable. You're a bitch. <laughs> and then like you should, or uh, and then they have this one conversation like, which I really liked, where it's like. The first minion is like, it's like, like, it's it's like they're talking about like, like he was like, hey, why not try and convince me, like, if there's merit in like you not being with Shinobu anymore, or, like you being with Shinobu. It's like I can think of good reasons why I I can't be with Shinobu. Can you think of good reasons why it's better if you stay with Shinobu? And Aragi is silent. He like he doesn't respond, 
if he has any like there's any pros to him and Shinobu staying together this link, you know, which uh, we will yeah. get we'll circle around back back to that. that. Yeah, that that circles around, but it's like in his mind he's like, well, I can't think of a reason, a logical reason why it's better for me to stay with her, but I can certainly think of reasons why I would like to stay with her. But basically, he doesn't respond to him. And then he's like... Yeah. And but again, it's him. It, it's it's Aranagi appealing to his own emotions instead of to logic. Because logically, the, the first minion is right. There's no, there's no general benefit. There's no logical benefit to him wanting to stay with her. It's just an emotional thing. And then Aranagi is about to drink his water as they like walk around. And I don't know where it comes in. Motherfucking your episode. Boy. It, it's your boy. Episode is back. It's kind of weird <laughs> to say like your boy, considering the shit he did. Like he always does. Considering the shit he did, and he pulled in kids, it's kind of weird to call him your boy. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, to, to be fair, he always makes an entrance. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> like the the dude, the dude may be a bit of a scumbag, and he may be, you know, morally gray. But the dude knows how to make a goddamn good entrance. So this is the second of three appearances we see of the uh, episode. The first time we saw him was uh, in this podcast uh, series, rather. We saw him in Tsubasa Tiger. And now we yeah. know why, because he was with Gain all along. And, like, we know why Gain was there. And it's like, it's all coming together, dude! <laughs> I like how there's also subtle implications that there might be more to uh, episode and Gaia than just simple, like, uh, you know, working together. It, it, it's lightly hinted at that they might actually be lovers, but uh, I don't know about that, Chief. I mean, they. I don't know. I don't know. I just got. I just got this sense. I. 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 All I'm gonna say is I love that. That after this, so basically, um, episode and guy show up. And it's like, uh, why? It's like, oh, you tried to poison Aragi. Why would you do that now? It's like damn you it's like all right I'm, i suggest we solve this with a good old-fashioned duel and the it's first time minion, to do, 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 do. yeah and then he fucks off and then i love yeah. when Aragi is like looking back and it cuts back to episode and gun and gun is looking at the milf porn and episodes looking at the bl porn and and he's like it's not what you think <laughs> i love that part it's so good yeah <laughs> uh I also love that look that Gaian gives him because, like, she's looking at the 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 milf stuff that has her on the cover, <laughs> and she's like, she's got that one eyebrow raise. It's not what you think. I promise, <laughs> I'm not gonna fucking jerk it when I get back to you. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Koyomi goes back to the shrine after this, um, and. And then he sees yeah. Kamburu and uh, Shinobu in a bit of a kerfuffle. Uh, yeah, to 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 say the least. Um, I had for complete. So this is like I think the third time I've rewatched this. I'd completely forgotten that this even happens. That there is a point in this where uh, Shinobu has to genuinely stop herself from just outright killing. Kamburu because yeah, she's so pissed so about this entire situation. This is again, so in the previous podcast I mentioned how much I love this part of the series because we get more interaction from the side characters amongst themselves regardless yeah. of Aragi being present or not, right? And Yeah, because he is actually present that now we 
we find out later that Kamburu knew he was there the whole time. But he's hiding in the bushes with Ononoki because Ononoki shows up to, to you know do what Ononoki does. I don't, why did he, why was Ononoki even there? Uh, basically, know. like to help him out, I guess, like protect I, him. I guess. Anyway, so basically, she pulls him into the she pulls him into the the bushes like shh, watch. <laughs> I love, I love later like during that whole scene. There's a cutaway to him like, like holding on to to Ononoki's hand, and it's like, oh, sorry, I thought it's Sanji Gohara. <laughs> 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 Fucking idiot. <laughs> but now, yeah. So again, this is a, this is a more of an example of Shinobu just not dealing with her emotion. Well, she she is dealing with her emotions just in a very unhealthy way because instead of actually trying to. Um, like face them internally or even with the help of others she is just lashing out at someone who is just pointing out the fucking obvious to her which basically like, bitch I'll kill you which basically is like the whole like the whole this whole this entire conflict is Kanbru like asking Shobo why the fuck are you not going to see this guy why are you not seeing this first minion that obviously you had a connection before he's obviously he wants to see you and talk to you but why yeah. wouldn't you do this and I love how we see the growth in Conbro because basically she's like she's been through the same shit, you know? She's like she's like she's been like the she's been in that in a similar situation where it was her, Itagi and Aragi and she was kind of left to the wayside and she wanted that closure and she and she got it when Hitagi um approached her back in Bakemonogatari. So she she's been through a sort of similar experience and she sees yeah, that she, from her she side. Literally- she literally says, like, I know how it feels to be first and still be in second place. Yeah. It's, and she she know how... And she she know what is happening in this situation. She knows she, it's kind of fucked up that Shinobu is not, like, fucking doing anything about it and not confronting the first minion. It's like, it's kind of shitty of you. And it's fair to him to get that opportunity to talk to you and see you. Like, and she's like... I, and and Carmen is even going to the length of I don't care if you decide to like see him and just fucking do nothing about it. I don't care if you just if you, if you pick him instead of picking Araki. I don't care. But it's not right for you to not see him. Whatever. And it's, it's doesn't she's, matter she's what the result out, is. Like it's, she's pointing out that it's not only you know it doesn't matter you know how it goes. It matters that this is how you get closure. Yeah. Like that's the whole point. Yeah. Um, and because because she goes like Shinobu goes through that entire list like well what if I hypothetically just decide to get with him again and I kill Aranagi it's like that's fine. <laughs> uh, uh, what if I decide to never talk to him? That's fine. What if I decide? What if I? What if? Yeah. And every single the the response to every single like hypothetical that Shinobu is giving Kamru is like that's fine. And she's saying that's fine because at least you're actually confronting your emotions. And 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 Shinobu doesn't like that one bit. She's furious. She's like, because how fucking dare you thing, talk to me like the that? Whole thing- you know? The whole thing, the whole thing with her going through all those different hypotheticals is she's desperately trying to find a hypothetical situation in which Kambru thinks confronting your emotions is not the right thing to do, and she can't do it. That's why she's so pissed, and I because love- she's realizing very slowly that there is only one right answer here: fucking confront your feelings. And I love how by the end of that confrontation, 
Aragi, it's like this is the first time I've seen Shinobu lose on a one-on-one. And it's like, yeah, it's it's a it's a wonderful scene. I love this scene so much. Again, we we get actually like the show is actually confronting Shinobu on her bullshit, and it's great. And yeah. I love that it's coming from Kanbu. Like it's so because for the most part, you'd be like, why is the fuck is Kanbu around? And she feels that role in this scene. This is why she's been around in this entire act to to lead up to this moment where she's like calling Shinobu on her shit. It's like. This is wrong that you like leaving this guy to out to try. It's like you need to talk to him. Doesn't matter what's gonna happen. You you owe him that much to just talk to him about this, you know. And it also this also brings up something that we've kind of touched on here and there throughout these spoiler cast and throughout the Monogatari series as a whole is what exactly is the relationship between Koyomi and Shinobu, right? Because we've talked about it as like they're not really lovers, but they're more than friends. Definitely, that like every now and then they would throw around this like phrase of if if uh, Shinobu would die tomorrow, then Aragi would be fine with dying as well that same day, right? They have this yeah. very this very like this bond that even though it was severed, it's still there emotionally between the two. You know? And he even says like um, I, I I think it's in the first episode of this arc where it's like um, uh, there's only one person I want to die with. And it's it's it it's Shinobu. Yep, basically. Which you would think, oh, that it's supposed to be Hitagi, the the woman that he loves, but it's not. But again, they're not lovers. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think there's an actual word for what kind of relationship that they have. They have something going on. <laughs> it's something far deeper than just simple friendship. Yeah, but it's also not a romance either. Companionship, maybe I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know if there's an actual word for it. It's definitely a very interesting dynamic that they sure developed throughout the series, and I love it. I love this dynamic. Um, But anyway, um, yeah, so while he's in the bushes, you, you, you know, with Ononoki, you said that he has a thing where he grabs her hand, and it's like, oh, I thought you were Hitaki. Um, It's like, hey, this stamp you put on me, can you take it off so I can fight the duel? And he's like, well, I can, but I shouldn't do that. Yeah, basically, Aragi is like, all right, like we'll just have to solve it in this duel and see how it goes, you know? I also like how Koyomi asks Onanoki to do this, and then she doesn't do it. <laughs> Gaian is the one that actually has to remove it. Yeah. Fucking dopey, uh, Aragi. But Koyomi finally reveals himself, and then... Um, Shinobu, after all this is over, she basically goes off to fucking cry because she realizes she was fucking wrong the whole she time. She assumes the fetus uh, position. She, yeah, she assumes the, the defeatist position. <laughs> um, so she's inside the shrine. And so one thing I, I didn't realize until rewatching it this time is that there is a weird sort of like, um, I don't know what you would call it, like a zoom in kind of a shot when... Kambru says, oh, she went to go take a nap inside the shrine, where it's like a, a slow zoom in to, like, the, the ruined doors of the shrine, and you can just faintly make out the, the charm that's still on the yeah. on the door. Yeah, you take you can notice that, yeah, definitely. And, it, and it's held on there for a while, and, you know, I used to just think, oh, it's just kind of a weird, you know, shot, but having rewatched this time, I realize why that shot's in there. Oh, yeah. But that, we'll, we'll get to that in just a second. Um, and then, so he's asking Kambru, is everything okay? And Kambru's like, well, you should know. You were watching the whole time, <laughs> you cheeky bastard. That piece of shit, Kambru. <laughs> uh, then Kambru proceeds to immediately sexually harass him. 
God damn it. <sighs> Cumber will never She's change. Like, yeah, takes the takes the uh, the books and is like, ah, oh, read to me and feed me. And then he's like, put the bra on me. And then he just like very sexually moans. Yeah, I, I love it. Like she first like eat and feed me. And then she goes ah, and then he's like, no, I'm not doing that. And she's like, oh, put the bra on me. He's like, oh, it's like, god damn it. <laughs> and then I love how this episode ends because god damn it, it goes back to the central premise of Monogatari. He had so Koyomi asked Kamber, so do you actually have any advice for all this? And she's like, well, do it yourself. Oh, no, 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 no. Do your best. She's like, DIY, do your best. Yeah, it's like, that, that, that's, that's not the one. <laughs> and then he's like, well, it's not, it should be DYB. DIY means do it yourself. But doing your best could mean doing it yourself. And that's the fucking central premise of Monogatari. Basically. Do it yourself. And then we get to the final episode. And we, we, and we, we kick it off with... One of my favorite shit ever is just Koyomi and Itagi talking to each other. On yeah, on the phone. They're not even talking to each other in person. So remember, this is all taking place during the uh, the Subasa Tiger arc, right? So Itagi has been spending some time with Hanakawa. Yes. Um, so yeah, th- that whole conversation, I absolutely love it. And like that, uh, Hitagi actually has that line. Um, I, I, it's two lines, uh, but they're both said by her. Um, she says, I still labor away to become worthy enough to be your bride, which, oh, my heart fucking melted at that shit. Uh, so fucking cute. And then I love how then, they, they... Well, hold on. And then, then just, just a little bit ago, or a little bit after that, she says, I suggest you take this as encouragement to work on yourself so that I won't think of leaving. So this, I, I just want to say... This Hitagi is not the same character we were introduced to no, at the beginning of this series. Like she has changed so much, and I absolutely love it. Um, Her progression might be the most people, satisfying like arc in the entire series. Some people say that past you know second season Hitagi just becomes like a side character, and yeah, largely that's true. Uh, but I still like the fact that we're getting. Um, actual character development and growth from her, even if it's in short, like, stints like this. Because uh, her arc, to some extent, sort of, like, we, we got her arc, but we still get to see her evolve and mature throughout the series, which is awesome, you know? Like, I love how it's, like, she's sort of this, like, sort of macro narrative in the background of how she's like she's yeah. growing as a character as a person throughout the series I think and, it's and so really is well so done. is koyomi too although i i would argue koyomi's is far more subtle yeah i can agree with that and, and this is also gets to the um another central premise between their relationship is um each of them have faults both koyomi and hitagi have faults but each other's strengths make up for each other's weaknesses Definitely, and I love and how... And that's what makes them so good together. And I love how this sort of, like, this all these past events sort of makes him reflect on... Like, she talks about how, how like... Because we have this sort of bond between the first man and Shinobu. It's like, damn, like, 400 years, that's kind of heavy. And she's like... And he's like, what do you think about these types of, like, eternal bond? And she's like, I don't think they exist. And he's like, if something were happened to me and you would meet someone who... In Koyomi's words, would fill the requis- the requirements better than me. Would you go for him? And she's like, Ah, one hundred percent, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I wouldn't like, hesitate. Yeah, and 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 Aragi's like, Oh shit! And she's like, But right now, like, but right now, you are very special to me, and I'm working on being very special to you. 
and I want you to try and keep being special to me. And like both of them try very hard to be better for each other. It's so fucking cute. Mm. This is what uh, as as I hate using this term, but as problematic as some of the stuff in the Monogatari series can be. This shit is gold. Yeah, this is so good. And I, and and the end of the conversation between each other, they love each other, and I'm like, my heart. Yeah, I know. Uh, during this conversation, it's also just dropped like again a fucking throwaway line. It's like Itagi says, "Ah, just leave everything that's going on with Hanakawa to me." And of course, uh, Koyomi doesn't exactly know what's going on at this point. He's like, "Well, internally, he's like, well, what's going on with Hanakawa?" It's oh, I'll, I'll, I'll she's she's got this. I I trust her. I trust her. But yeah, yeah. I, I love the way this episode starts. I love the conversation they have on the phone. Um, it, it's very reminiscent, um, at least in tone, to that conversation they have at the end of Baki Monogatari. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and again, that's why I like it so much. Um, anyway, it's time to fight. Um, so the, the setup for this is they're, they're at the high school. They're on like the track field or whatever. Are you ready to rumble? Um <laughs> And Koyomi's like, I, I, I don't want to count on Shinobu's power, even though I support her. So she's not here. Yeah, she, she's Shinobu's not, not around. She also doesn't want to see you because you're a bitch. Uh, but yeah, and then Guy and she has like this, I, I guess like a wooden practice sword kind of thing. Um, that she throws down it has like this big electrical arcs that come out of it, and she's like, all right, here's the deal. Uh, the first person to deliver the, a blow with this sword will be the winner of the duel. And then the the, uh, the guy in the armor is like. Uh, also, I'd like to point out he the dude returns in his armor. Oh yeah. Um, he's not he's not the little boy anymore. Um, he's not the adrenaline uh, like, ah, person anymore. He's like he's like he's like ah cheeky. You wanna you wanted to set this up so someone could win without anybody dying. And it's like guy and it's like well yeah it'd be very inconvenient for me if he dies. And I like how she's like she she takes that bit of how inconvenient all of this shit is and then she goes to Aragi and is like so there's a bit of trouble with uh, Hanakawa and Hitaki might be in danger and she might get burned and be- and she's like don't you think it'll be better if you go save them instead of doing this duel it'd be way more convenient if you do that and because she knows Ar- Aragi she plays on his emotions like that because mm-hmm. she knows he'll probably back off the duel just to save Hitaki and Hanakawa yeah. Which is very, very ah. shady of her. What, what, yeah, it's very underhanded, but that's, of course, we've kind of learned that that's how Gaian kind of operates. Um, nothing is really as it seems with her, but Koyomi pulls a fast one. Again, something that Gaian wasn't exactly counting on. Uh, Koyomi puts his trust in Kamaru, tells her what's going on, and says, Go, go help them. <laughs> I'll be along when I can. And, and Gaian's just like, I wasn't expecting runs this. Runs for it. Yeah, she just shoo, fucks off. Um, and then right before this uh, battle is or duel is about to start, the actual demon sword, Kokorowatari, falls out of the sky and destroys the fake one guy had prepared. And so immediately you're like, okay, what the fuck? <laughs> and and, and the, the first man is like, is like, I know you're around. And it's like, why won't you show himself? It's like I know, I know Shinobu is here. I know Kishot is here. Like a simp, he's a simp. <laughs> Why would you say that? You're a simp yourself. Fucking I, donating to YouTubers. It takes one to no one. <laughs> it takes one to no one. Um, but yeah, and so 
right before the duel actually starts, the, they're they're like facing each other, and like the first minion says to Cleomi, like, "What what exactly are you hoping to achieve here?" And then he reiterates that that line that he said, like, "You're you're not irreplaceable. You're not special, but I am." And then like, Cleomi says he might not be, but he is I am me. the only me. It's like what what a fucking Chad. It's like I am I can only I be me. I am the I may not be special. I might not be irreplaceable, but I am the only Koyomi Araragi. What a Chad. What a Chad. <laughs> um, this duel is like so, pretty I like how this duel sort of like turns out in the end. Like I love how it's presented. It's really, really fucking cool. Like the payoff of it is really nice. Yeah, and it, it's one of it's one of those types of duels where the weapon is placed in the center, you the the um the combatants start out with their backs to each other and then you count 10 steps in either direction and then once you hear 10, you turn around and whoever grabs the sword first and makes the first strike, that's the winner. Um so that's what happens. Um the the first minion gets to the sword first, but if you'll remember that that slow zoom in shot on the 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 charm on the the snake shrine koyomi is able to incapacitate and then eventually liquefy him using that charm <laughs> really really sneaky i like what it. a sneaky bastard i love how it's resolved and then i love that there's this one cut of animation that looks amazing where it's like frozen in place it's like faces like melts away and becomes this like pile it looks awesome i love this imagery i i will say the the cg could have been a little better <laughs> It's all right. I I think like what it leads to because so basically what happens so the first minute sort of like becomes this, like pool of mush or whatever, and yeah. guess who it is? Shinobu arrives and she's like she's approaching him and in one of in one of my favorite scenes in this arc, she sort of like she sort of like like uh um she's like tried to uh fuck what's the word I'm looking for uh comfort him you know. Yeah. She tries to comfort him. She actually calls him by his name, and then like the only time he's called by his name in the entire arc, by the way. Yeah, it's like she calls him by name is Seishiro, and and then like the entirety of like the the like the gooey pool whatever becomes it's like very colorful. Like you have this green around her, and it's like very it's even though it's it's night, it's almost like the sun is coming out of the sh- shadows, and it's it's mm. very gentle, it's very tender, it's very beautiful. It's a very beautiful moment of like her. You know, breaking down. It's like asking for forgiveness for him. It's like, and she also like forgives him for all of his actions. It's, yeah, it's it's a it's, it's a it, wonderful moment. It's really it's really good. Um, yeah, and Shinobu's like, yeah, she's starting to eat him because obviously she has to in order to make the apparition go away. Um, and she's like, yes, yeah, like, I don't want to ever see you again because I have someone more important. And then she kind of just glances over to to Koyomi. It's a wonderful moment. I love this scene so fucking much. Like, um, it's like even though you were first, you are not first in my heart. And I love what Aragi when he narrates, he's like, he, he did not feel good about like seeing like how he succeeded. It's like this is the the Swiss actually succeeded now. Like, uh, like the first minute is gone, but he did not feel good about this event. It's like, ugh. yeah, oof. Um. Yeah, then you go back to um, it, the, the story time with Ogi and Koyomi is over. Um, so we're, we're flashback to what is ostensibly the present, quote unquote. Um, and Ogi, 
asked a, a very probing question that no one bothered to ask before. If sh did Shinobu eat all of the apparition? Because the armor was part of it, not just the body. Yeah, we saw, actually we saw that when she ate and yeah, say sure we we see we see the armor is like left to the side there it's just chilling on the side and yeah and koyomi says i think she ate it but i'm not 100% sure well he actually set, tells ogi yeah she ate it i'm pretty sure she ate it but inside he's like i don't know um and <laughs> ogi tells like and ogi says that like if you could if you could obtain that armor you could remade one of the samurai swords from that armor the so we have, you have the, the uh um fuck what's the name Kokoro Watari, which is the long sword that they used the katana they used and there is the yara yeah, the, the english translation is heart span and then you have the other sword the yara Watari, i think they called it yume watari yume dream watari. span yeah which you could remake it from the armor of the samurai and, and Araki's like i don't remember and Ogi's like, well, if I was Guy and I would have remade the sword from the armor. It's like, hmm. Mm -mm -mm. <laughs> mm -mm -mm. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then Ogi's like, well, his full name was Seishiro Shirushi, which is like, and so I thought he would have wanted to know because he was the romantic rival. It's like, ah, Ogi, why would you do my boy like that? <laughs> Stop torturing Aragi like that. Oh, my goodness. Um, so there was one thing I wanted to um, to point out, and I forget. Ex I wrote this down somewhere, and I cannot remember where exactly I wrote this down. Um, but his name, the, the name actually means something specific. Um, what, say uh, his full I, name? Yeah, it's supposed to be a reference to something very specific. Uh, oh. and I, I cannot remember where I wrote this down. Oh, okay. Here it is. Um, so it's the his name can literally be translated as the son of life and death. Damn. I know. <laughs> and the surname uh, Shishuri can be interpreted as involved with corpses. So his full name literally means the son of life and death involved with corpses. <laughs> oof! Big oof! <laughs> what a great name. Yeah. <laughs> so basically. When Ogi leaves Aragi remarks it's March thirteenth and he and and when he is he's about to leave because he's gonna look he's gonna go to the shrine because apparently Kaginui has been not seen in a while and he's gonna look for her in the shrine. And on his way sees Onanoki and Onoki's like, Why the fuck are you talking to so much to Ogi? It's like, no nah. <laughs> Hey, you don't know this bitch. You I you know me more than her. Yeah, it's uh, as we've said many times. For some reason, Aragi feels very talkative of, around Ogi. He feels very comfortable around Ogi. I wonder why. Must be all those sleeve dickings he's getting. Oh, shut up! <laughs> Fucking idiot. Um, yeah. Uh, 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 <laughs> he's he says he's trying to aim for a happy ending, but. Uh, <sighs> Koyomi's like, I don't think anyone is happy, but you know what? If I live 400 years, maybe I'll I'll figure out a way to change that way of thinking. That's the actually I love how they close this episode out. It's like Ononoki is like, well, you never said if there's any merit, there's any good reason to stay with Shinobu. It's like, what do you like? Do you still have an answer? It's like, I don't have any. I don't have anything to say. Like, I don't think there's anything good that will come out of staying with Shinobi. He's like, he says, no happiness will come of this. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, but that won't stop him from like trying to change that. Maybe even if it'll take him, as you said, four hundred years. Uh, and yeah. yeah, as he's on his way to the shrine, that's how this section of Owari ends. Yeah, I mean, we did the, it. the episode basically ends with him just about to leave his house to go to the shrine. Um, and that's it. That is how uh, Shinobu Mail ends. That is, that is this arc. We did it. So um, It only took an hour and yeah, a half. Yeah, we, we did it. Hour and a half, but we did it. We did it. Yay! Um, I just want to say, like, fucking phenomenal way to tie a lot of stuff together and also answer some unanswered questions because obviously what happens right after the duel is koyomi picks up that sword and just goes straight over to um where hanakawa was having her issue and that's why he shows up seemingly randomly at the end of which is so uh, cool Tsubasa tiger because then back then it was like wow it's like literally her knight in shining armor is like coming to save her but now we know like how we got to that point it's so fucking cool so good it is um i do like i like the way that this arc does tie some stuff together also ties together like why so many apparitions seem to be coalescing in this one specific area around both koyomi and 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 kishat um just just great way to tie some stuff together i will say we've talked about it a couple of times some of the exposition could have been handled i think a little better throughout this arc because some of it does meander quite a bit yeah i i almost feel like because of all the meandering that was done maybe this could have been five episodes instead of six if the um, exposition had been handled a little more succinctly it definitely feels uh more often than not, on more of the sloppy side in terms of executing like the exposition and just the moment-to-moment scenes. Like as I mentioned, like the beginning of the arc with meandering with Kanbaru's bullshit and all that, it feels a bit sloppy, and it's kind of and, and that's kill. It's that's kind of disappointing. Um, but at the end, I do think it comes together very, very nicely. I think again, the end is quite powerful. I love the development with Shinobu. I love her scenes in this arc. And I again, I can't stress enough, the fucking confrontation between Shinobu and Kanbaru is definitely a highlight in this entire final season. Um, yeah. So while probably not the most tight uh, script of like any of the any of the arcs, it does come together. I think it is worth it. Unlike some arcs like Shinobu Time, where it's kind of, I have mixed feelings about going back to it. This arc definitely... War is definitely worth the rewatch. It's so fucking good. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So, um, with that said, our next um, spoiler cast in our Monogatari series spoiler cast is going to be uh, Keys of Monogatari. We're going to do all three movies all in one spoiler cast. So that's going to be a hell of a ride. Yeah. Um, looking forward to that. Now, I, something else I want to say. Um, up until this point. This is either my second or third time uh, re-watching the Monogatari series. Uh, at least the arcs in the Monogatari series. This part, or going forward from this part, so starting with Kizu and going forward to Zoku Owari, um, I have only watched all of these things once all, uh, before. Wait, you've so never rewatched Kizu? I have never rewatched wow. any of the Kizu movies. No. I envy you. Uh, I've so watched it like I watched three them- times by now. I watched them in theaters when they were here in theaters in the U.S., but I have not rewatched them since. So, um, yeah, this is going to be a really interesting experience for me 
going forward. And then once we get to Zoku Awari, that's one. That's the only part of the Monogatari series that you've never seen. No, no, I I've kept that off like from from the beginning when we started doing this podcast. I knew that Zoku is gonna be. I'm gonna save it for this podcast series. Uh, so I'm very excited to check that out for the first time when we get to it. But first, yeah, Kizu is gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, I've watched it a few times by now, so like, I'm, I'm, and I'm really excited to check it out again. It's so fucking good, and I'm yep. sure we'll have a great time talking about these movies. They're, uh, I'm, I'm sure, great. I'm sure, uh, and I hope you all have enjoyed it too. Thank you, everyone out there, for dropping in to listen to us uh, ramble about this. This has just been the best. Yeah, it's um, awesome. Check the description below where you can find links to Anime Club After Dark on Twitch, on social media, and on Discord. You can also check out our merch store. Any purchases you make there do really, really help us out. With that, I have been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Say goodnight and tie. Bye. Oh, man. The editing. Oh, God, no. Sorry, John. <laughs> <laughs> Come on.